This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. and welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast, the podcast brought to you by ScienceFictionary.com, where we discuss all things in the world of sci-fi, fantasy, uh, and superheroes, and action adventure in the world of pop culture. I am Daniel, and joining me are Marisha. Hey, everybody. And Andrew. What's going on? And David. Hello. All right, and this is going to be this week's Pillar of Sci-Fi episodes. This is actually our last Pillars of Sci-Fi episode. This is our miscellaneous category. Uh, anything we had, we didn't feel uh, fell solely in the realm of novels or television or yeah. movies. So this was kind of a hard one because you can sort of pull from anything you left out of the other categories or like I said, bring something in that doesn't completely fit in those categories. And actually, my list is it's literature. A lot of it's literature, but not really a novel. So I knew I had the novels I wanted, so I decided I needed something for miscellaneous. That's why I left what I left um, for miscellaneous. That's why I have the list I have now. I'm not sure everybody else kind of went about compiling this. I think this was probably a hard one to come up with. Huh? So, yeah, it was a lot different than compiling one where you have more strict parameters for mm-hmm. what you're looking for. There are no parameters. Right, there are no parameters, which it means I've got a couple of things that didn't quite work into any of those other categories. I've also got a couple of things that are more or less um, things that were created by accomplishments of specific people. Yeah, the way I interpret it, mine kind of when looking at my list, the best way I can explain mine and the way I interpret it is basically my four items kind of ended up just being what if there were four more pillars of sci-fi, mm-hmm. what would they be? Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but actually I think I'm gonna start because one that I almost included when I said I expanded the novels category to be literature also, uh, this was something I wanted to include. But again, I knew I had to do this category. Mm-hmm. So I've waited a long time to mention this, but Action Comics number one. It is the beginning. Yep, yeah, it is the beginning of the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. Of course, the first appearance of Superman. And Which the current of really- Superman. Sorry, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, th- no, this really is the first superhero. I mean, it really was. It was the first time we saw a character um, with these otherworldly powers. And, of course, when you look at the sci-fi we have today, when you look at how much the MCU has just taken over entertainment, mm-hmm. this is where it begins. Uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster created this character and it's really i'm not gonna get too deep into it um but there's really really interesting history and backstory to how superman was created how the publishing came about 
they basically gave him to national publications to do what later became DC Comics, which led later in their lives to a huge legal battle. It's a very interesting story. But just the importance of Action Comics number one, I don't think can be overstated to mm-hmm. what we see in entertainment now. Uh, that That's where it all began. Superman is still... I think somebody did a poll. The most recognized symbols in the world are the Christian cross, Mickey Mouse ears, and the Superman S, right? Mm -hmm. So Action Comics number one is the first thing on my miscellaneous list. Okay. Yeah, the very concept of Superman is very sci-fi itself. It's an Mm -hmm. alien Mm -hmm. whose powers are based on, like, these scientific things coming from space. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's a great choice. So who who else has their first one, Marisha? Um, all right. So mine are just random. Just to, just to give you a heads up for my my different categories, I went lots of different directions. But one of the things I was kind of looking at is one of the big inspirations. Obviously, one of the the biggest inspirations for sci fi has been literature, right? Different uh, literature over the years, mm-hmm. but. The the interesting thing is kind of the back and forth with the literature and the science and the art and just sort of how they, they have kind of – is a chicken or the egg kind of question as far as, you know, what, what inspired what. But I think that you could make a really good argument that a lot of the interest in – kind of futuristic technologies that one of the earliest visual examples of that is the scientific drawings of da Vinci. I mean, he wasn't writing stories about flying, but he was drawing flying machines and underwater breathing apparatus and tanks. You know, the sort of things that sci-fi loves to deal with is what... Mm -hmm. Things can people do that people aren't meant to do? And, you know, the the quintessential Renaissance man drew them and designed them, and they've actually built some of them, and they work. And he has his inventions and his, his, his artwork and his explanations for all of these things. I mean, he just theorized things that they couldn't prove would actually work for the next 500 years. But... People still talked about it, and they drew pictures inspired by it, and they told stories inspired by it. So that's my my first um, pillar of sci-fi is the uh, scientific and engineering theorizing of da Vinci. And I like that one. I like that one. I didn't think of it, and I like that Mm -hmm. one because at the time, he was designing things he thought could be used in the real world, and... Since that time, his designs have really influenced a lot of science fiction, a lot of designs that mm-hmm. are used in science fiction. Yep. Which I think mm-hmm. is, yeah, I like that one. I can, I can see that. I understand yeah. why you picked it. I like this a lot uh, better and, than my last first choice. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody who's wondering, I thought about Samega, for anybody who's wondering, the reason I go to Marisha first so often is because if I'm looking from left to right on my screen, Marisha's the first person I see. <laughs> <laughs> that works. In case anybody was wondering. Um, but, uh, Andrew, what do you have first on your list? Okay, so I went deep, deep down the rabbit hole of 
proto-science fiction. Things like the Epic of Gilgamesh, the uh, the Ramayana from, from India, which is the, the stories of, of Rama and the avatars of Vishnu. And, you know, things, you know, Gilgamesh isn't truly sci-fi, it's more fantasy, but it does start getting into human reason and the quest for immortality. The Ramayana flying machines that could go to other planets and had weapons that could destroy cities. There was a, a writer, a Greek writer, uh, 400, around 400 BC, wrote things, uh, wrote a couple of plays, The Clouds and The Birds and a couple of others, where it was based on the trope of the fantastic voyage, you know, traveling to other planets. But what I finally arrived at is what I believe, and what a lot of other people believe to be the first true example of science fiction, written in about the year 160, sometime in the in the mid-2nd century by Lucian, an Assyrian writer, who wrote a satire called True History. And Spoiler alert, not true history. <laughs> and in this book, he explored uh, voyages to outer space, Conversations with alien life forms, interplanetary warfare, uh, creatures wow. created by human technology, worlds working by alternate physics. All those explored in this book. In the year what? <laughs> in the second century, like around 160. In the second century, this dude was writing Star Trek. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And so true history is is my first entry. I didn't want to do a lot of proto-science fiction because a lot of it's not true science fiction, but this has way too many of the tropes we yeah. still use to not consider it science fiction. That's great. I didn't know about that. I didn't either. That's actually pretty interesting. So, uh, David, what do you have on your list then? Pretty similar to Marisha. I actually looked to the real world and so the actual entry on my list is the real world. Um, when we're looking, when we're doing this, this, this pillars of science fiction, uh, a big theme is what inspires things. And something we haven't talked about enough is how it all begins with, with what is actually being invented every mm -hmm. day in mm -hmm. the real world. Yeah. Um, on one hand, you have guys like Elon Musk who are inventing things that he has seen in science fiction and wants to bring to the real world, like, you know, freaking amazing flamethrowers and creating a company called SpaceX <laughs> and, and building rocket ships and stuff. But then you also have guys that, like, like Da Vinci, like you said, that, that, that designed things and built things that then later inspired everything we know about science fiction. We were talking earlier about, like, atom punk and things like that, about how Star Trek all of Star Trek's technology from the original series was based off of what actual people in real life invented and what the technology looked like for that time. Humans. What? I'm confused. What? I'm sorry. What? Is your entry onto this list basically everything? No, no. It's, it's just real life technology. So, I, so yeah. it, it's real interesting when, okay, you, actually, you, you, when you, you actually step back and look because – Kind of in my digging, I started looking at the parallels of the development of computers with the way science fiction advanced. And, and there's some pretty close parallels there. And also with flight. As soon as people actually achieved flight, science fiction changed. So, yes, yep. that's the interesting thing yeah, about science fiction is that it, it science fiction inspires 
creators. Creators create real things, which inspires more science mm-hmm. fiction. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh, it, it was pretty interesting to see what technological advancements mirrored and changed science fiction writing. Right, and that's kind of and thank you for better explaining that than I guess I was because that's kind of what I was getting at was when you think about what influences science fiction, we we haven't we've yet to mention the real life computers mm-hmm. that people invented, you know, like mm-hmm. and and flight and the atomic bomb that was invented and without these actual real life inventions and these technological advances, uh, like you, like you look at star Trek from, from the original series and it all looks that way because that's what computers look like then. But then you look at the 2009 star Trek and it all looks that way because we had touchscreen phones and Apple. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? What I'm getting Yes. At? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I got what you're saying. Yeah. And like I said, like the way I interpreted miscellaneous was just like basically creating like there were just more pillars of mm-hmm. what inspires sci-fi so real life technology yeah and and you know theorizing about like okay we know this about you know technology so now let's talk about you know then einstein and the theory of relativity and you know and then that spawns its own new thing so yeah the 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 inventions and the speculations of smart people then uh, creative mm-hmm. people get to sit around and write about them. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's yeah. a pretty cool back and forth. That's a good point. Yeah. Is that everybody for round one? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. It's your turn again. It's my turn well, again. You went first. Yeah, you went well, first. It's my turn. Okay. <laughs> well, then the next thing on my list, and we kind of touched as again something we touched on a little bit, and another pillar. Mine is basically the artwork of Jack Kirby. The uh, David mentioned the uh, Marvel Cosmic Universe in a previous episode. I think, and I guess in our literature episode, mm-hmm. and the artwork of Jack Kirby plays right into that. From the time when he introduced Galactus and the Silver Surfer in Fantastic Four, his artwork that took place in the Cosmic Universe and in Marvel, and then more so actually when he got to DC Comics and created the New Gods, um, have really inspired and been a basis for the way a lot of technology and beings in science fiction are actually viewed. Mm -hmm. Um, I find myself a lot of times, and maybe it's just because I am such a comic book fan of the the first place and i've seen these images so much uh those are the pictures that pop in my head when i visualize a lot of sci-fi that i'm reading Mm -hmm. um is things like that but it's actually influenced the production design on a lot of films and uh television shows it i just think it was a big influence on the way sci-fi technology is visualized so jack kirby's artwork makes my list nice awesome i was actually thinking that from mine so yeah uh, that's mm-hmm. a good choice so now it's marisha's turn now it's marisha's turn okay so um my second um the second thing on my list is the orson wells 
um, radio broadcast of the War of the Worlds in 
And I think just because of it being so early and the influence it had later on, especially things like Star Wars, which was on my movies list, uh, Flash Gordon is my next entry. Okay. And awesome. I like that one. That's actually, that's, that, that's a really good one. Flash Gordon, from the time it started, as you said, it has since inspired nearly every major sci-fi creation since. So mm-hmm. that one definitely, that might be the best one so far. Um, but David, what do you have next? Uh, next up, and we've talked, we've, we've touched on it ever so slightly bit, uh, but my next entry are science fiction video games uh, as a as a pillar of, of sci-fi. And specifically, if I had to pick just a couple that I think are probably the biggest, most influential and important ones that, that represent sci-fi, I would say the Fallout series, uh, Mass Effect, and Halo as a, probably the biggest and best science fiction video games. And that's a medium that I think that in the future... Um, will probably become so big and so important just on its own that it, it really does become will become its own category of mm-hmm. pillar of sci-fi um, because uh, video games are are, are going to introduce a lot of have introduced a lot of people to sci-fi. It's a brand new experience for fans of sci-fi to be able to interact with with these concepts and themes and worlds that they love so much. Um, and I think it's it's an important piece uh, of being a science fiction fan in, in many ways is getting to experience it all through through a video game where you get to play it firsthand yourself. The Star Trek games, Star Wars games, they mm-hmm. all get represented there and, and provide that opportunity. Yeah, I think and you're right. Freaking dope. Yeah, I think going forward, I think it that sci-fi video games will continue to have an increasing effect on the next generation of sci-fi fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cause even people, you know, I mean, you know, Andrew and your dad's age, you know, they were playing video games when they were, when they were kids and, and teenagers and space I mean, invaders. Yeah, exactly. Right. Space invaders. Yeah. And you know how much that's just become increasingly true every decade that, um, video games become more and more of the, the young adult and childhood experience. And so I think that you're mm-hmm. right. I think that going forward that um, we're going to start to see a lot of things like in the same way that we see a lot of real world world things that are very influenced by Star Trek and Star Wars. I think going forward, we're going to start seeing a lot more things that are influenced by. So I bounced around a, couple of other ideas for this and to tell you all the truth basically like all of your entries better than anything else i thought of so far <laughs> so but you should still give us what you got but i don't really this is what i'm telling you and i know <laughs> i stick right there in that world of comic books too much because the next thing on my list would have been valerian and Lorelane. but i don't know i don't want to be too much into comic books like fill my whole miscellaneous with it i feel like my first two entries had much more influence on the rest of science fiction maybe than that did yeah i'm thinking outside the box here for these yeah there's there's another artist I almost put in there but I already mentioned jack kirby I don't know that I feel right to have another comic book artist in there with him. And then you're kind of like splitting hairs. So I chose Kirby. 
Yeah. See, I have an you know artist. Going with it? I have an artist on mine, but he's he's probably falling at fifth on my list of four. Marisha, what do you have next? The next thing I have is the planets by Holst because the. I was expecting that one. Yeah, I think that was my when I had to pick one. I think I think that was the one that I pulled out because just the sort of ethereal feel. It was it was evoking that outer space kind of feel in music was and, and you know it obviously influenced a lot of really important music and sci-fi going forward the mars you know the 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 rhythm bum 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 is is been really influential in things like the imperial march right bum 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 it's got that same sort of feel and it's just it's you know it's got lots of a lot of things that we sort of associate with outer space, like the kind of like tinkling harp, the little, 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 little kind of sounds going on, and the uh, the way that he uses percussion, you know, to kind of evoke that kind of far away and ethereal sort of ambiance is something that's been used over and over again in sci-fi. So um, I don't know that Holst was the first person to really do it, but he definitely has done it most famously and um, had some really direct influence on really important music and sci-fi going forward. So he's my number three choice. Yeah. All right. And Andrew, do you have a third one? I do. Uh, This one's a little different. This one is going to be a, it's a magazine, a long running magazine. It's Amazing Stories. Mm. Started in 1926 by Hugo Gernsback. And you may not know the last name, but you definitely know the first name if you're a science fiction fan, because the Hugo Awards are named for Hugo Gernsback. Wow. So this magazine, along with, he, he, also started the Science Fiction League. Really, this was the beginning of science fiction fandom. I mean, we're talking about the man who coined the t- the term science fiction. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, that's where Buck Rogers was first published. Right. And so he's... It's an amazing stories. Right. And he started this magazine, and when people would write letters to the magazine, he published addresses of the when the letters came in. You couldn't do that now, but in 1926 no. you could. Yeah. And what that led to was these groups beginning people would get those addresses and start writing with people and it it's it really is the beginning of science fiction fandom because these groups begin to reach out to each other and organize. Hmm. And all of that through this through this magazine and it's all that for, you know, Gernsback was apparently not a real good guy. You know, he ripped, he would refuse to pay his artists and, and stuff like that. And, but, but the magazine he created, it is the root of science fiction fandom. I like That's, that. I'm liking this list so far. I think we're coming up with some good entries here. David, what do you have next? That is a great choice because my, see, I didn't know any of that. So my next, entry is actually uh i just have uh fandom the -hmm. science fiction community in general as a pillar of sci-fi uh that is the one thing that if you take away from any of these pillars Mm -hmm. science fiction no longer exists it no longer is viable we don't get any more of it it's done the one thing that you need is the fandom the conventions. See, this actually started with I was going to put cosplay because I didn't know what else to put here. Uh, so I was going to put 
science fiction cosplay, but then the movie started thinking about conventions mm-hmm. and, and and stuff like that, and then it just led to overall fandom. So it's sort of like you got really specific, and as you, mine haven't been very specific, so you got really specific with this magazine that kind of started fandom. Mm-hmm. My entry was just fandom in general as a, a pillar of sci-fi. What we do here, podcasts, right. yeah. fan films, conventions, just people having conversations about it, um, being a fan and, and go, paying for the tickets to see the movies and turn, tuning in on TV and buying the books, um, talking about it. That's what keeps it all alive. That's what keeps it all going. Mm-hmm. None of it exists without fandom. That's very true. Yep. Okay. Marisha, we're back around to you again. We're back around to me. Okay, so I had a couple of things that I kind of um, threw around, but at at risk of, of being too similar to now two of Andrew's entries, I think Buck Rogers has to make this list, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and yeah, because you Buck, don't Buck ultimately Rogers would have been on mine too. Ultimately, you don't. Get well, why don't you tell one. us about Buck Rogers then, Daniel? Because I don't really have that much oh, to say no. about it, except for I just, you know, what I read about it on. Well, okay, so Flash. Gordon, I didn't get prepared either. I'm just telling you, Buck Rogers crossed my okay. mind, and especially then when Andrew mentioned Flash Gordon, I went, yep. "Well, that's really." Cool. Buck Rogers was first. Flash Gordon was actually created to compete head to head with Buck mm-hmm. Rogers. Yeah, Buck Rogers. Now, see, I didn't know that was published. Was first published in this adventure magazine that he's been talking about in 1926. Was the first, and then they decided to adapt it into a comic strip, and you know, so it, we kind of it kind of spiraled from there into film shorts and eventually a, a movie in the 70s and comic books and just all kinds of different things, uh, different mediums. But yeah, Buck Rogers was definitely one that it was kind of, was, I was looking, I always assumed that space opera was like some sort of like highfalutin kind of thing. You know, it was like, it's an opera, but in space. <laughs> no, it's like soap operas, but space. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. That's not nearly the idea I had in my head for what a space opera was. But yeah, it and, was. And they started as film, as comic strips. Right. Then spawned um, the comic strip and the radio show. Right. It all kind of spawned from there. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you the truth. I did not realize. I knew Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers were really close. Mm. But I didn't know which one came first. And, Buck Rogers. And Buck Rogers did. Andrew's right. Yeah. And it had a lot of influence on Flash Gordon. As well as when these in these their serials, their film serials, they used a, they both used a crawl hmm. in the opening. Oh, that's really interesting. I had no idea. I, I missed that detail right. totally. You know, and it, it, as far as that, you know, is if if I'm taking a page out of David's book and just going with kind of really general topics, I mean the radio show, y'all. I mean, how different would all of science fiction be if it weren't for Superman radio show Mm -hmm. and Buck Rogers radio shows and all these radio shows, people who were too poor to have a television and who were probably too poor to go to the movies, but they had a radio and they'd sit around in their houses and listen to these serials. Um, You know, that's uh, that's an important part of uh, of the science fiction Mm -hmm. experience there. So anyway, that's, that's my true. that's my next selection is Buck Rogers. Okay, uh, my next I like one. That. I agree with that one. That yeah, that, you, that definitely was uh, would have been on my list as well if I'd gotten that far. Yeah, Buck uh, Rogers definitely needed to be on the list. 
Absolutely. Um, what what'd you have next then, Andrew? Okay, so the next one is a little bit different than it's, uh, in that it is not a single specific thing, but more the, the works of an individual. And I actually talked about this on our last episode. The sound design of Ben Burt. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said before, you know, we're talking about a man that changed the way science fiction sounded when, when George Lucas turned him loose. Now it wasn't that he hadn't done stuff before, but when George Lucas hired him, George Lucas just turned him loose, gave him some general ideas of things he needed sounds for and turned him loose. And he has, um, I mean, when you look at the things that, that he's done. I mean, he did Invasion of the Body Snatchers, E.T., Wally. Um, he did that 2009 Star Trek movie. And so I think because he really shaped the way sound design is approached for science fiction now, that his overall body of works should be included on this list. Um, and I did want to mention, as another sound designer, Doug Grinstaff deserves to be at least an honorable mention on this list. He worked on the original Star Trek series. Hmm. And Star Trek, the original series, is one of the few shows, even today, that I you can be in another room and you don't have to hear dialogue or music, but you can tell what you're listening to because of the sound, because of the mm-hmm. backdrop created by the sound design. Mm-hmm. Yep, Absolutely. The beeps and the warbles and the, yeah. Mm-hmm. The the whistle when the captain comes on deck. All right. No, that's, that, one's, that one definitely deserves to be there, too. I haven't heard anything yet that I disagree with too strongly. Yeah. So, really, I, I yeah. thought you would disagree with everything I said. <laughs> Well, as a general principle, I do, but you're doing okay tonight. <laughs> I get your point. <laughs> no, not really. All right. Um, so, what, David, what do you have next, then, David? Let's see if I disagree with it or not. Um, I actually just like uh, Marisha, uh, and now Andrea picked um, something in the realm of sound. I, I uh, picked, and I wanted to say, just g- in general, the music and sounds of sci-fi. But that one's even more general than my other ones, and I thought that was too much. So I had to pick one. I decided to go with the works of John Williams. Um, That's an obvious choice for sure, and I know that he was inspired by things like like the planets. But when you think of what is the most Mm -hmm. iconic sounds in sci-fi, it's it's John Williams, Star Wars, all the music. it adds so much to and Superman? what Star Wars was. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, Jurassic Park, right? Yes. Right. Um, so much more. Like there's, there's, There are so many movies that I watch, and I'm like, that sounds really good. I bet John Williams did that just because it sounds that good. And then mm-hmm. I look it up, and of course it was John Williams who did it. Um, and if it so sounds... Yeah. What? Yeah, no, that's it's very true. Yeah, so like, uh, and I know that he was inspired by previous works, but I mean, when I think science fiction, truly one of the very first things that hits my head is Mm -hmm. sound and music. And I I love music. I love the use of music in films. It's very important 
to me and my experience, um, and I'm sure most people's experiences, um, and and John Williams is the king of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the music of Star Trek. Uh, yeah. Just to just to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then there's a lot of music in there. I mean, you can even talk about Danny Elfman. Danny but, Elfman is a king. Right. I love but Danny John Elfman. Williams is the greatest composer of a generation in the last century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Baku. and so even though he was inspired by people like Holst, John Williams changed the the scape of not just of what sci-fi movies, but movies. Period. He changed mm-hmm. what a soundtrack, what a score for a movie could be, and yeah. absolutely deserves to be on this list. Yeah. And I only don't Marisha and I both only don't have him on our list because we were pretty sure you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just his the way that he makes sci-fi music operatic is just brilliant. It's like, you know, so much sci-fi music historically had been so weird and here he was like, "Oh no, I'm going to do Wagner. I'm doing straight up Wagner in a sci-fi movie." Who does that? And of course, now everybody yeah. wants to do straight up Wagner in a sci-fi movie because he did it so good. Well, he's probably inspired more people to become to to play classical music or to become composers themselves Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. at least a hundred years yeah uh also it'd be a shame if we didn't mention the most important science fiction song of all time the star trek enterprise theme faith of the heart oh gosh Uh, i think that one no i'm gonna pretend i didn't hear that and we're gonna go (laughs) move Back around to Marisha again. Well, I, think Marisha, Marisha. I think we've all done all four. Yet. We've done our four entries, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Everybody's done. Okay. Good deal. So we're ending um, on faith in the heart. No, no one. <laughs> that is not going on the list. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. So anyway, I like our list though. No, Bud yeah. Rogers, Flash Gordon. The works of Jack Kirby, Action Comics number one. I know I'm leaving some out. I'm not going to name them all right now, but I think we came up with a really good list. A really interesting uh, and diverse list, I think. Right, which is what it was supposed to be. It's a mm-hmm. miscellaneous category. So mm-hmm. that is our Pillars of Sci-Fi in the miscellaneous category. Mm-hmm. And that will complete our mis- our Pillars of Sci-Fi series. So, uh, until next time, Marisha, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at princessesandpadawans.com. I am on Instagram. Like, I have an Instagram account. I am not on Instagram currently actually, like, putting stuff up. But you can go see old stuff at um, princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And occasionally, whenever Twitter isn't too depressing, I'm on there. (laughs) And I am P Padawans on Twitter. Right. And Andrew? Right. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can find me hosting our other show every Tuesday, Coruscant Radio Underground, where we cover all things Star Wars. You can find me at thesciencefictionary.com. You can drop us a line at thesciencefictionary at gmail.com. And you can check me out on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash darklighter580. And as always... Be sure to check us out as well as all of the rest of our podcast family at red5network.com. All right, and David? You guys can find me on Twitter at say underscore creative DB. 
and on my YouTube channel, Creative D&D. And always remember to have faith of the heart. Oh, good grief. (laughs) And I am Dan C. Peeps on Twitter, and we'll see you next time. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network.